Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of our Composable Commerce podcast. Today we have Peter as a guest uh, with us and he has been uh, with Dati since the beginning. But more importantly, he has a very massive history in the world of e-commerce. Specifically today we're going to talk with him about how B2B uh, can uh, how B2B issues and B2B problems and B2B growth can be established with Composable Commerce. Peter has a lot of experience with this uh, and is, as we speak today, working on some complex B2B cases. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about you? Sure, I can. I've been working in e-commerce for about 15 years or more. don't want to sound too old, so let's, <laughs> let's keep it at 15. Both on implementation, so new projects, but also running shops for customers or with customers. So expanding existing business cases. And in those roles, I think I've seen quite a lot of different configuration setups. But in the world of B2B, it seems that every case is unique and everybody has their own way of working. Yeah, that's how we know B2B, right? Non-business is the same. In fact, one of the traits of this sector, right? That B2B, if you want to stand out, you have to have a unique way of doing your business and to offer something else for another supplier. And I think that makes the composable commerce world so good for this channel. We can have a very great mix and match of all these different services that we do in composable commerce. I know uh, that you're working today on a B2B project, but I would like to go back a little bit, I think about seven years with you, to a project uh, where I wasn't there, but I know you've been working on a very complex B2B solution with a lot of suppliers for publishers and books. Can you tell us a bit about what that project was without obviously naming names, but tell us what that project was and what made it so unique to be able to connect so many different services and data? I think what stood out most was, let's say, conservative setup or traditional setup of the players involved. Basically, we had a lot of information sources that were not very flexible in the way they could communicate. They had overlapping information, so we needed to get information from lots of different sources that could be on the same product, that could be also contradictory to each other. So we also had a system to say, well, for these cases, that information source is the most important one or is the most believable one. And for other cases, another one was it. And like I said, it was Really bulk uploads could be even, we had one that literally sent us a hard disk with information that we needed to, to use. This was a supplier? There was a supplier, yes. <laughs> and, and there were a lot of different rules. They all had their own way of communicating, but also it was very difficult for them to adjust anything. So on our side, we needed to make sure that we had our own standard we could use. So we could translate their information to one standard and then we could export it again to different standards. But because there were a lot of places we needed to export the information again. But with that normalization on our side, we could easily do that. And we could add that level of flexibility because with our service services, we had that all the information from those sources and instantly made it from a really difficult process for the endpoints for the for the point of sales to get the information to a much more easy quick and also based on their way of communication which could be file drop endpoints and almost anything 
So if you would describe the case, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if I, if I would describe the context of this case, so these were, this was a book supplier mm-hmm. and there were many shops that sell books so to the end customer. And then people would order a book and say, okay, this book is not in stock, but I want a particular book. These were international books. And then uh, the, the shop owner would put it in a system and would request this book to be delivered to their uh, shop so they could deliver it to the customer. And then your system that you build would then search all over to Europe or maybe even the world to see where is this book available and which can be delivered for the best conditions tomorrow, today, etc. So you had to, on one hand, you had a lot of shop owners putting in data, you know, placing orders, basically. And on the other hand, you had a lot of different suppliers who had overlapping titles, books, etc. And you have to figure out with your system, what is the best information? How can we normalize that data? But how can we also place the order with the best conditions? And that could change, right? In during the day, if someone put an order for five books, and that's somewhere very cheap, and then someone else put it over for a different book and the combination would be cheaper somewhere else, you could change the order, right, uh, during the day. Yes, correct. Uh, basically what we did when we received an order, we would look for every line, so that's a different book, the best way to fulfill it. So we had like a point system to determine, well, is it price, is it speed, is it both? And then based on the information we got back when placing an order, we could also adjust it. Or like you said, if there were more orders and we could bulk uh, order something from a supplier, that would be preferable. Like I said before, information wasn't always uh, available directly for us. So it could also be when we placed an order based on the information that we had, then based on the feedback we got from the supplier, we could also decide, well, we thought it was the best way. Uh, Our information was that it was on stock or printable. But according to the feedback, it isn't. So we needed to change our order to see if we can fulfill it in a faster or a cheaper way. So that was an interesting case. Uh, an interesting least. one. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could say this is one of the most complex I ever heard. You have on one hand, you have very changing and combined data of very different shop owners. And on the other hand, you have combined and changing data of a lot of suppliers. And in most B2B cases, that is not the case because you have just, you know, one shop, one entry point. Uh, people place an order and then you have one or multiple suppliers. And that is a case you're working on today. I think there is one supplier which has different products, obviously, with different warehouses where they come from. Uh, but in the end, it's, it's one uh, source that you're using, correct? Uh, yes, for us, is it one source? Yes. So, uh, but this business, so the P two B business we are working on today, is uh, they're selling consumer products, and they're selling it through other businesses, which then can sell it online. And these consumer products are very different one from fashion. Uh, I think most of it is fashion related accessories, uh, some uh, cosmetics, and that kind of stuff. And they are being deployed from China, and they're coming to the European market, and they're being divided here. So what are you building? You know, Can we describe the case there? Basically, what we're building is a shop-like environment. So it has a lot of flavors from B2C shop as well. So you can also say, well, I'm going fun shopping. I'm going to look what I want for my assortment, for my customers. But there's also a very heavy B2B element in there. Uploading of uh, lists, do you want to order, reorder, stuff like that. And like you said, a lot of the stuff has to come from China. So the lead times can be a bit longer. So businesses need to take that into account when placing orders. But we also need to make sure we communicate correctly 
uh, the lead times to the customers so they can use that information and deciding what they're going to order and when they're going to order it. Okay, I hear a few things. Obviously, today we're going to talk about how composable commerce works with us, or we are talking about that. And you know, in the very first case that we mentioned, you know, that's kind of clear, right? We have a lot of data from a lot of different points, and there's no system. I think that everybody's listening uh, can imagine there's no system who can do that out of the box. You need to have a combination of services. Now, the second case, you know, we could say, okay, how does composable commerce help in this? How does it make the business more efficient? I think the most important thing is that we can use information from different sources at the same time, but also based on what the customer does, communicate with those different systems. And also some of the systems are, again, not that flexible in their interfacing. So we need to take that into account as well. With that, we can create a layer that makes it much more flexible to communicate with all those different services, but also react to whatever the customer is doing in their cart, in the shop environment, we can react to that almost immediately with all the information that is present in those different systems. So what is the, and we've seen a lot of businesses today, like BigCommerce just released their B2B functionalities, and there's other players who are going into, moving into this B2B market. Is that so much different from the B2C market? Well, we tend to see that if you... For each implementation, we start with discussing with the customer what their process is. And they usually say that they have quite a standard process and then they start describing it and then you learn, wow, there's a lot (laughs) of specific uh, things. Can you give us an example? Well, um, usually they have some customers that are an exception. So the bigger customers, uh, they have a direct interface with them or they have different rules regarding to credit credit checks can be different we can see that there are financial departments sometimes that also need to approve certain transactions or higher credit levels or or whatever there are specific uh, shipping rules when you go into the b2b world there's often more cases for combining orders from a customer because in in the b2c world it's usually i want my order uh, i'm going to pay for it directly and i want it sent as soon as possible or on a specific date in the B2B world, you can have credit payments, you can combine orders, you can say, well, I want this for the next season. You can ship it to me when we have enough, so at least X amount of money or, or even uh, items. So that leads to often an order going through multiple stages over more time and through multiple systems as well. So that's where um, the orchestration, I think, comes into place to make sure that you can have those systems. You can keep using your systems you have at the moment and still modernize, update your overall landscape system. So it will add more flexibility, more speed, obviously. uh, And make sure that if you want to change systems later or add new uh, channels, you already have that foundation there. You can build upon that uh, without you know, needing to rebuild everything all the time. Uh, you can reuse uh, what you already have. Usually it's a big plus in the B2B world that you can insert flexibility without uh, saying, well, okay, now you need to change your processes as well, otherwise it wouldn't work or you can't use that system anymore. I think that's, you know, even more important in B2B, you know, in B2C, you know, there's a new payment method, there is a Klarna 
pay later or something like that, you know, we adjust as B2C much more easier to that. But if you have indeed some specific rules or specific, like uh, I always order in June because I want to deliver it in September, you know, and, and someone else has a different schedule, uh, you cannot change that easily. You know, there's a relationship between you and, and another business that you need to have. And just changing that by changing your system is not ideal and maybe even devastating for your business. So keeping those in line while updating and innovating, on the other hand, I think that really brings composable commerce as a really good player in this world of B2B. And seeing more SaaS products or platforms having specific B2B services, that definitely helps if we can combine that. Because if you say there is no case the same here, and we started with talking about a really complex one, now we're working on a you know a little less complex, but still there is no B2B case I ever met that is standard, right? There is definitely never one that is standard. And we also see this with pricing. Uh, when we talk to uh, B2B players and then we talk to platforms or they say, I talk to the platform and they charge me on, on revenue, but you know, a big part of my revenue has been established before. It's nothing to do with the new platform. So the one that, you know, there's so much more flexibility around uh, B2B that they need to be able to do their business well. And obviously composable commerce and one of the main things of composable commerce is flexibility. So listeners, if you uh, have a B2B case and you're thinking, okay, how am I going to solve this? Uh, but you do want to innovate. You know, it's working as it is, but you need innovation. You need to speed up. You want to enter new markets. Composable commerce might be the right direction for you. And we have Peter here for you, ready to talk. And <laughs> he's always happy uh, to talk with you and, and see Ah, he's happy most of the times. He's looking at me as if he's not. <laughs> he's happy. Uh, at least he's willing uh, to talk with you, to dive in. That's part of what we do. We always uh, write down first what is going on and what we're going to build because a good preparation is half the work. So if you are interested in discussing your B2B case, how you can improve, what is the next step, or if you have something really complex uh, that you want to have a look at, how can I modernize that, uh, please always feel free to contact us, contact Peter, and he will be happy to talk with you. Thank you everyone for listening today. It's a short podcast on B2B and I'm sure we're going to dive in uh, further as this project is moving along. We would like to make follow-up podcasts with Peter um, you know, when we integrate new systems. I know there's going to be tools in there uh, which are very complex, uh, ERP tools, uh, data coming from China that needs to be translated into European markets. Um, so there's really cool stuff happening and we're going to dive into more details later. But for now, the basics B2B and composable cars. I think the magic word there is flexibility. Thank you very much, Peter, and we talk to you soon again. Welcome.